Welcome to the Modernizer Die Podcast, CFML News Edition, where we keep you up to date with everything going on in the Cold Fusion community. We'll share the latest news on events, releases to engines, frameworks, libraries, and tools, as well as spotlighting quality content from the community. Hello and welcome to the Modernizer Die Podcast, CFML News Edition. Today is August 25th, 2020. I'm your host, Eric Peterson, and with me is Brad Wood. Hi, Brad. Uh, if you're going to let me announce myself, I was going to say I was Eric Peterson and fight with you about which one of us was Eric, but you really let the cat out of the bag. Yeah, I'm Brad Wood. I admit it. You got me. I know. Two gingers. It's kind of hard to tell. <laughs> so, well, welcome. We want to thank our sponsor, Order Solutions, for giving us a chance to do this podcast. You can get live training from the makers of your favorite box product, including Command Box, which there is a two-day workshop coming up this week, Command Box mm-hmm. Zero to Hero. And you can also support us by subscribing on CFCast, which there is new free and paid content every week. Lastly, we'd like to thank our Patreon supporters. We are at the 59% mark for fully funding all of our Modernizer Die podcasts. You can find more at patreon.com slash order solutions. Thank you for supporting us. And once we're fully funded, we get to get a desk that actually fits our bodies. Is that how that works? <laughs> a virtual desk. They cost a lot of money, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you have to go to Ikea assembling a virtual desk. is just it's crazy. And, and it's just as frustrating as assembling a real life Ikea desk. <laughs> Insert tab B into slot A. So what's the big news this week? Okay, yeah, let's get on to that. The big news this week is Coldbox 6 was released. We're excited about this one. We have a blog post for you uh, on the Order Solutions blog, but this is Coldbox and its standalone libraries, Wirebox, Cashbox, Logbox. Um, It's been uh, quite the journey to get here. I think it's been about a year, and this has a lot of awesome features, most of which are not breaking changes. So I know I've upgraded a couple sites now to Coldbox 6, and it's taken me maybe 10 minutes each site. Um, I usually forget to read through the docs, and I miss one thing and wish I did. The migration (laughs) guide is very thorough. You won't have any trouble if you're using that. Yeah, make sure you read the migration guide. You know, there's a few things that Luis changed, but for the most part, it's kind of like, renaming some common functions to work to be a different name which you know sit down with your ide get some extended find every place you can knock some of that stuff out in a couple minutes so don't be scared uh by any of that all the core conventions still work the same um we just done a lot of behind the scenes stuff and by we i mostly mean luis has done a lot of behind the scenes stuff um for you know threading and asynchronicity and stuff that you get a lot of benefit just out of upgrading right now, if you have uh, avoided doing any asynchronous work because it's a little cumbersome in CFML, Coldbox 6 has your back. Um, it is <laughs> both powerful, but also uh, much easier to get started with than handling all the threading yourself um, using the jo- Java and concurrent libraries, the completable futures. Uh, uh-huh. Docs have been updated with some examples, and I know there is a CFCAS course coming that will dive into that as well. So one of the things I'm excited about is you mentioned that the the standalone libraries, Wirebox, Cashbox, Logbox, and which one didn't I say? Is that all of them? Anyway, Boxbox. Um, th- those all have a major update as well. So Commandbox, 
um, doesn't use Colbox, but it does use Wirebox. And so I'll be able to update um, the Wirebox version inside of Commandbox now with the latest that um, has just came out, which means the whole asynchronous library that Eric just mentioned will be finally part of command box for us to tap into and use from the command line. So get this trickle down effect of features that uh, will work their way into the rest of our libraries, which I'm excited about. That's awesome. Um, and I know one of my personal favorites is there's a new debugging template um, <laughs> based on the old whoops template. So I'll go ahead again. and uninstall whoops, upgrade to cold box six. Yeah, I think you'll love it. Out of the box. Whoops, Eric did it again. He played. He played with your code. Got lost in the oh, game. Oh man, too many puns from Brad. I think that means it's time to move on to the next piece of news. <laughs> well, we're not going to be in Vegas for CF Summit this year, which is where Britney Spears is. So we got to get in our Britney somehow. I guess <laughs> that's enough for the month. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The next piece of news: uh, the Cold Fusion 2020 beta, uh, aka Project Stratus, is now available on ForgeBox. So you can start right. that Adobe at 2020-beta.1 uh, or just tab right. autocomplete because no one has time to do all that <laughs> typing. Ain't nobody got time for that. Um, so it's funny because uh, anyway, yeah, the, the version I tweeted is actually a little bit simplified with that. So if you were on the private alpha version of the pre-release, there's uh, a different way that you use to start your servers that's private. Um, that we talked about in the pre-release forums. But um, for anyone joining us now or coming from the, the private pre-release now, the public pre-release, this is just using the normal Adobe slug on ForgeBox because it's, it's public. Um, so it doesn't have to be hidden any longer. And so uh, you don't have to type out the full version. If you actually just do Adobe um, at 2020-beta, you can leave off all the extra numbers. Uh, that'll be enough to actually get whatever the bleeding edge or, or you can just do Adobe at BE. Any of those will all get you that. Now, if you don't specify beta or bleeding edge, you just say, you know, start Adobe CF engine equals Adobe. You'll still get 2018, the latest stable release. So you do have to ask for the private beta because we wouldn't want people getting that on accident, but um, we'll keep that updated as, uh, as more beta builds come out. And yes, John, uh, CF config does work with um, ColdFusion 2020 and has ever since the very first uh, private alpha build came out. I'll have a little trick in my CI builds where I start a Adobe at BE and a Lucy at BE server in my matrix. So now mm. all my builds will start to test against this. We'll know if we have any problems. That can be dangerous. Does it fail your build if it... If that engine fails, um, it the beta builds are only ran on a cron job, so it's just an email to me. It doesn't uh, okay. actually stop me from releasing. Right on. I've thought this it's through. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's tricky. You know, you want to you want to test the bleeding edge of the engines, but it's not necessarily your fault if those fail. It might be the engine's fault. So right. whose build should be failed? Yep. Cool. So go ahead and get playing with that now on ForgeBox. Uh, next up, last week, or even two weeks now, we've been talking about uh, Mira CMS, and they've announced that they are going closed source to a subscription model, and mm. uh, it fired up Luis on our side, mm. who tweeted mm. out um, that he was working <laughs> on uh, Content Box version 5 with the hashtag free forever. <laughs> so free forever. Content Box like is our open source CMS, and this is Ortis's 
um, commitment that this is an open source project. It's free. You don't need to worry about a going subscription service and all of a sudden you can't download it ever again. Free Forever sounds like a country song. Can we make this happen? I, it probably already is a country song. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be a remake. It'll be the, the, the Content Box CMS version. But yeah, Luis has been just cranking over on uh, on Content Box, and we have some upcoming tweets and some of the stuff he's working on. Um, but yeah, it'll 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 remain open source, which is good news for egg lovers. Some also neat things about Content Box Five coming up is with the upgrade to Cold Box Six and CBC Security Two, the performance is about five times faster than before. So that's some awesome stuff coming out of Cold Box Six there. And I believe Luis is also working on some multi-site support. So if you yeah, have multi- that's, been, that's been one of the, I think the, probably the biggest asked for features in Content Box was the ability to have you know a multi-tenant site under a single installation. Um, and we've never supported it. It was kind of a big change. We never had anybody uh, that we could get to sponsor it. But we're finally putting some effort in, and it's underway. I think Luis has it working locally, so that'll be a, a, a helpful push to anybody who might be looking to uh, to convert over to Content Box in the meantime and really needs to have a multi-site, multi-tenant setup. So for all of you folks that uh, are looking for a alternative to Mira, we got you covered. <laughs> okay. Uh, in case you missed it, we had an online CF meetup this last Thursday. It was a public beta walkthrough of Cold Fusion Next or Project Stratus. Mm-hmm. So, Brad, were you able to uh, join that meeting at all? No, I didn't. I'm already familiar with what was in it since I was on the private alpha of 2020. I'm sure I probably would have still learned a couple things had I, I watched it, but I was stuck in meetings that day. Um, I, I am pleased to see that I think most, well, other than some performance things, um, which is truly a carryover from 2018, most of the issues I had in the private alpha, I believe, um, do appear to be fixed in the first uh, public beta, which is a, a good thing. Um, early on, uh, the Coldbox framework didn't even work, so <laughs> that's why we had those. Why we had those private alphas to get some of those big bugs out of the way. Um, so I might have to go back and watch the recording and see if there's anything that I missed. Right. Yep. We will paste a link to the recording in the show notes and in chat. It's on YouTube. Um, one neat thing that I took away from it is it looks like the next CF builder will be, um, all we had is it will be based on Visual Studio Code. I don't know if that means their own custom packaging of the editor or simply extensions on top of it. Um, but given that most of the Cold Fusion community has migrated to that editor, I think that's a great choice. I mean, I really hope it's just an extension and they don't try to like wrap it up as a separate product because I think that would sound annoying. But I wouldn't be surprised if they did. I don't, I don't really know what their plans are. I mean, because they could have just shipped Eclipse and had an extension, right? But no, they had their own bundle. I think they do it to, you know, to try to add more value. But it's a bit more annoying if you just want to have just a regular VS code that you get from Microsoft with all your other extensions. But we'll see how they implement it. I'm, I'm really hoping they're going to put effort into, uh, crap, what's the acronym? Language Server Protocol? Is it LSP? Is that right? It uh, sounds right. Um, yeah, because what you know what they had in Eclipse is they had like extensions that could be written in CFML, which was a feature nobody really ever dove that deep into. But it required that you had like a running Cold Fusion, you know, server on your machine that it was connected to, which kind of worked, but it was really hacktastic. Um, what would have been better was just you know embedded 
CF Mulroney, which I think they have, you know, a more chance of doing now with like the, the CLI and everything. Um, and so I know that in, you know, in VS code and language can implement the, the language server protocol or whatever it is. So you can, you know, run it. I, I think it's somewhat similar to like the JSR 223 stuff in Java, but you know, a, a, a mechanism for, run, for running scripting languages to be able to, you know, run CFML code or whatever code inside of VS code. So it'd be interesting to see if they go down that path and if they do, um, how performant it is. So obviously yeah. you wouldn't want an extension that runs in CFML code and takes like five seconds to boot up every time. <laughs> so true. We'll, we'll have to see what they come out with. I'm uh, I'm optimistic. Most of the Visual Studio Code languages language bundles um, have a language server protocol running. You know, like if you download Go or you know TypeScript mm-hmm. comes built in, all of those are running against language server protocols. So I'm optimistic and excited to see what they come out with. I mean, and it's nice to see them listening as well. Um, you know, they've they've been supporting ColdFusion Builder for a while, which is Eclipse based, even though the the usage of it has definitely dwindled, at least per the State of the CF Union survey. Um, and so, you know, VS Code uh, is you know easily the the number one used IDE per that survey, which is only about five hundred people that respond to it, but it's the biggest survey we have. Um, so it's nice to see them, um, you know, recognize that and make some changes here. I want to go. I'm actually pulling up the, there we go. Um, so what do we have? Uh, this is the, I'm looking on my screen, uh, the 2020 results to the UpteraTech State of the CF Union survey. And Visual Studio Code uh, had 286 respondents. So it by far had the most. Sublime 3 is next, 190 respondents. Notepad++ somehow is a strong third place with 131 respondents. I don't I don't know how, but so ColdFusion Builder, 72 respondents. It's maybe a, what? I mean, 286 versus 72. So there's barely more people using Dreamweaver uh, using ColdFusion Builders. So it, it definitely has not uh, held the, the captivation of the CFML developers right. in the community. Uh, and I don't know if it's because it's Eclipse-based or for what reason or not. But uh, anyway, I mean, I think this is a good move and a positive move by Adobe saying, wow, look, pretty much, you know, most of our developers have all kind of sending around tools like VS Code, um, let's, you know, move over and try to, and, you know, rebuild our offering. You know, they could have just, they could have just kept their head down and been like, nope, ColdFusion Builder is going to be based in Eclipse, but um, they're making some efforts. So kudos to them. I hope it works out well for our sake. Yeah. I think most people have moved over to something like Sublime or VS Code, mainly for the multi-language support. You know, I can't mm-hmm. think of a project that I'm only in ColdFusion. It's yeah. Cold Fusion and uh, JavaScript, and I want nice CSS support, and you know, keep mm-hmm. going. So, yeah, Docker. for me, <laughs> for me, Java is something I do a, a fair amount of, just enough that I want to have decent support for all of them. Yeah, and it sucks having like two different IDEs. Oh, when I edit Java, I have to right. open up this one. You know, so. that's not good. Cool. All right. Well, that was last week's online CF meetup, and you can view the recording. There is another one this Thursday, August twenty seventh. It's at 11 a.m. Central Daylight Time. It is how to use the ColdFusion API Manager to modernize your app with Dan Wilson. So we'll throw the link in the show notes and in the chat. That is this Thursday that you can come check that out. I, maybe I need to watch it. I'm really curious how the API Manager would modernize your app. See, it sounds hmm. perfect for Brad to go watch now. Well, this doesn't make any sense. 
I mean, the API manager sits as a, you know, a networking proxy out in front of your application and it might modernize the endpoints of your backend API, but I don't think it would actually, it wouldn't change your application at all. That's why I'm scratching my head on that one. He, he's hooked you. You're going to go watch now to see what you're missing. Well, I, I think I know where he's going to go with it because the description says, we'll go through how to programmatically add to your existing applications without disruption. Um, and so one of the things you could do is let's say you want to convert a, you know, a SOAP uh, API over to REST. You could put the API manager in front, make it look like a REST API, it proxies to a SOAP API in the back end. Then once that's in place, you could actually refactor the app to present that, you know, an actual REST API and, you know, take out the, the shim. But that's my guess is, is, is what, how they're going to sell it. But yes, yeah, so I have to see what the, what the angle is on that one. So that's this Thursday, August 27th at 11 a.m. Central Daylight Time. Uh, one last, in case you missed it, we had an Ordis webinar last Friday with Javier on BDD tests with TestBox. And you can view the recording of that, and we'll move into our next segment on CFCasts. CFCast. I need to have a little like sound that plays, a little like you know jingle every time we say the word CFCast. We just we push a button. <laughs> we need to get a soundboard. That will be the next thing after mm. our virtual when we're, desk. When we're fully funded, <laughs> we will have a soundboard of jingles. We're never going to get fully funded now because nobody wants that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, people are like no. So yes, so CFCast update this week. So first off is this webinar, the BDD test with TestBox. All of the webinars for this year are on CFCast and are free to watch. Additionally, there are two new videos in the Coldbox Masterclass on model testing and integration testing. Nice. So head on over to CFCast.com and subscribe to get access to all of that content and all the upcoming content as well. Excellent. I mean, this is really the first training site, I think, for the Cold Fusion world that we've had with this kind of uh, quality content. So... It, internally at Ordis, there's a lot of work going on to keep this fresh content going on the site. So please do check it out. Um, like we mentioned earlier, some of it's free, some of it's paid, but it takes hours and hours to create this. So we really wanted to have quality content um, for the Cold Fusion community. I'm super excited about this site. Yeah. I can give you uh, some ideas of what's coming up. I know we have a course on uh, making Visual Studio Code awesome for CFML development with Gavin. We have some lessons on CF config coming up. We have what's new in Coldbox 6. Those are just a few of the courses that are coming. And I'm so, not even doing the CF config ones. No, you're not. That's Grant. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. I've, I've got a sneak peek into <laughs> all of them. So you don't want to miss this content. It's the, something every, new every week, and it's great. So, All right. Conferences or uh, virtual training slash conferences. <laughs> yeah, everything's kind of virtual now. <laughs> so the first one is, we mentioned this at the top, but there is a two-day workshop with Senior Brad here, Command Box Zero to Hero, this Thursday and Friday. Yeah, so we still have openings and we need to fill some seats on this. So uh, go beat the bushes and beat your bosses and get the company credit card and get signed up for this. It's going to be two days. And I hear a lot of people, <clears throat> Ben the Dell, who say things like, oh, there's so much stuff in Command Box. I really want to look into it. I just haven't had a chance. I just use it to start and stop servers. This is your chance, people. Like, we're going to talk about everything. We're going to deep dive into everything servers does. 
uh, servers do rather, I can't talk, you know, how do you do this command line task runners, um, all that stuff. So get signed up for it. We still have seats we need to fill. That's this Thursday. All right. And for and, signing up, oh, go ahead. Oh, yeah, we were about to say the same thing. Let's just say it in the same time. No, just kidding. No. Um, for, for each of the people who come to the, uh, the workshop, we'll be offering a free license of our Command Box Service Manager module, which is one of our paid modules that lets you take your Command Box servers and create Windows services, Mac, NITD services, Linux system D services uh, with a single command. So that's our, that's our uh, sweetening the deal. We're baiting the kitty. And one more sweetening the deal, use the coupon code PODCAST10 for 10% off when you register. Mm-hmm. Um, John Farrar in the chat asks, will you cover PowerShell? I think the answer is open PowerShell type box. And then you're good. Uh, yeah, we're not really really <laughs> going to any particular stuff about the native shells. As long as you can run box in it, then we talk about what you do once you're inside box. Cool. Um, uh, so... so Scott Steinbeck says command box server virus. Is this a suggestion for a new module? <laughs> Not quite sure how that one would work out for us. <laughs> yeah, that, that might be some bad press. <laughs> <laughs> um, a couple other conferences coming up. We've mentioned now a few times jconf.dev. It is September 30th from 9 to 4 Central Standard Time. Uh, it's a free Java conference that you can go register for. And uh, it has some of our favorite people, like uh, Venkat, will be speaking there. And uh, yeah, looks like a, a great little free conference there. Can't beat free. And speaking of free, uh, another one, Adobe Cold Fusion Summit 2020. It will be November 17th through the 19th online. And you can sign up at cfsummit.adobeevents.com. So... Again, I mean, that's the biggest Cold Fusion conference of the year. So don't miss that one. Especially when it's free. Though I will miss seeing everybody in Vegas. I think that's my favorite part of the the Adobe Cold Fusion Summit is meet, seeing everybody and talking with everybody. Yeah, that part really sucks. I can't wait for uh, everything to go back to go back to normal so we can actually see each other again. On the heels of the Cold Fusion Summit, uh, that's where last year they had their Adobe Cold Fusion certification. That certification has moved online. We'll drop the blog post and the registration link so you can go uh, watch the online videos and even uh, register to take the exam to become Adobe Cold Fusion certified now online. Okay, I think that takes us through our conferences, so that moves us to... Blogs, tweets, videos of the week? Yes. Hit it off, Brad. Uh, well, the first um, blog here is one we've already talked about, which is the Coldbox 6.0.0 final released. Uh, so that's one from Luis talking about all the new stuff in Coldbox 6. So major release of the framework, uh, major improvements in the back end, uh, minor effort to upgrade. So read that and check out the compatibility guide. Do it, do it, do it. <laughs> People let their cold box versions get way behind on apps. I know this. It has to be part of your, uh, when you estimate projects, part of that needs to be the time it takes to keep your libraries and things up to date. You have to work it in because your manager, your boss will never want you to spend time updating libraries. They'll say, doesn't the old one work? 
So <laughs> make it happen, people. Yeah, I, I remember stopping t- creating tickets that said, like, upgrade this library and just kind of sneak it in a normal ticket. It's like, oh, yeah, while I'm implementing feature X, I upgraded Coldbox because <laughs> yeah, exactly. you put a ticket that says upgrade this library and it's at the bottom of your backlog forever. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. Scott Steinbeck has a good uh, a good comment in the chat to say it's about security. Um, but, yeah, uh, you know, you do get technical debt, as Sean Ferrer just pointed out in our chat as well. Um, you know, before you know it, all of a sudden, you know, you're on Coldbox version eight versions ago. And now the upgrade path is a, is a tremendous amount of work and you're missing features and you're missing security updates. So the easiest way is the little tiny updates as you go. All right. Okay, Brad, tell me about query of queries. You don't want to know about it. Well, that's true. Cause my answer to query <laughs> of queries is don't use it, but tell me about them. <laughs> I like query queries and I like to use them. Um, though they can have uh, limitations. But yes, uh, you're talking about some tweets that I sent out. Um, I, I've been working with one of our Ordis clients uh, this week who has a huge system that tracks all sorts of data and a particular page uh, in a system grabs a, you know, a giant query of data from the database and does a whole bunch of loops and runs queries of queries to kind of pull and parse all the data out. And he's run his site on Adobe Cold Fusion for years. The page loads in three or four seconds. Um, He's been migrating to Lucy and the page just crawls. The query queries are incredibly slow and under load, it just crashes the server. Um, and so we've been digging into that. And so the, the Lucy developers have always like told people, ah, don't use query queries, they suck. Um, I kind of figured out why they suck. Uh, and unfortunately, uh, I think it's kind of a, a terrible reason. Um, so a lot of people don't realize it, but in Adobe Cold Fusion, queries, uh, query queries are just a pure Java implementation with just loops and if statements operating on the on the query object. In Lucy, there's like a half implemented pure Java solution that only supports like the most basic queries. It doesn't support aggregate functions, doesn't support group by, doesn't support having, doesn't support um, more than one table joined together. Um, and so if you have like, if you have like the world's simplest query query in Lucy, then it'll use the built-in pure Java implementation that just loops over and, and modifies the query. But as soon as you have any kind of like vaguely fancy SQL, what Lucy does without you even realizing it is it creates a, a hyper SQL database, which is like an in-memory slash uh, file-based uh, database. It creates a, a hypersql database. It creates a table. It loads all your data from the query object into that table. Then it runs your SQL statement via JDBC against the hypersql database, gets the results back, drops the table, and then says, okay, here's your results. Um, that's sort of a clever workaround that prevented the Lucy developers from needing to like fully implement query queries. But if you do it in a loop like a thousand times on a page, the overhead of all that JDBC traffic and casting data um, is really slow compared to just in-memory manipulation. And even worse, ah, the HyperSQL implementation is single-threaded inside of Lucy. The entire thing, for who knows what reason, is just wrapped in a big old synchronized block, which is the equivalent of an exclusive named block in, in Cold Fusion. So only one page, only one thread, can run a query a query at a time on your entire server if those query queries have kind of fallen back to that HyperSQL implementation which is absolutely horrendous and explains why our client's code was already slow. But as soon as they tried to like refresh the page five or six times at the same time, the performance just like ballooned out uh, 
it's technically linearly, but still, uh, that explains some of the absolutely horrible uh, performance that Lucy has, um, which is kind of uh, frustrating because I understand that, you know, a database is going to be able to do some things better, but I feel like Lucy kind of uh, threw in the towel and went with a sort of an easy but absolutely crappy implementation on that. Um, I, I did want to say HyperSQL 20 times, John. Anyway, so yeah, um, I was able to make uh, to make this particular code about 75 times faster by identifying which of the query queries were kind of falling back to this HyperSQL implementation, which first of all, I had to make a custom build of Lucy with some debugging information to find this out because Lucy doesn't give you any way to tell. Uh, if you look in Fusion Reactor, you can tell though, because Fusion Reactor will track them as a JDBC call, which is interesting, um, makes sense. But anyway, I, I, by simplifying the query queries to uh, versions that didn't fall back on HyperSQL and then just doing loops and manipulating stuff myself, um, I was able to make the code like 75 times faster. So there actually is very good reason to be aware of complex query queries and Lucy, un unfortunately. Um, and I'd like to see if some of that can be fixed because I think some of this could probably be somewhat low hanging fruit to actually make Lucy a lot better in this area. I don't think it's, a, oh, we've done everything we can. It can't be made any faster. I think it's, yeah, that's pretty crap. You could probably do a few things to make that better. Uh, first of all, don't make it single threaded. That's just atrocious. Uh, but second of all, the, you know, the, the pure Java implementation in Lucy could probably be uh, enhanced to support some of the basic aggregate functions and group by, um, which would perform a lot better than the whole HyperSQL thing. But yeah, that's been, it's been a fun little uh, several days I spent this week digging into that and, and finding out just how slow it was. And um, of course I use Fusion Reactor and its profiler to be able to figure out what these query queries were doing behind the scenes and figure out that they were all being blocked by this, you know, single threaded stuff. So beware of the query queries. Um, hopefully we can get some changes into Lucy to kind of make that better, but. Yeah, I'd be interested to see because it, it's always come off to me from the Lucy team as we know this isn't good, but like you're never going to beat a normal database. So rewrite your code. <laughs> um, but I they mean, keep it around for compatibility, right? Uh, Adobe has query of queries. And so Lucy has to have it. That's the way they look at it. Um, yeah. I don't think it's a good way. I, th I really like query queries and for smallish data sets and simplish, uh, you know, selects. I think they're incredibly handy. Um, and yeah, you know, a database is going to do better, but I think if this was like a continuum, you know, you're like a database is like the fastest. And, you know, I think the current Lucy query query is like <laughs> the slowest possible. I think they could easily get Lucy to where it's a lot closer to the fastest into the spectrum. And I mean, the, the proof in the pudding is that Adobe has done this and this, the same code with my client performed not like amazingly, but perfectly within like the realm of what was acceptable on Adobe Cold Fusion. Adobe's done it. It can be done. It is possible. It has been done in Adobe. Lucy just hasn't done it. It's not they can't do it. Just it hasn't been a priority. They haven't done it. So maybe this would be something where the community could help contribute some yeah. uh, some fixes and improvements to the query query classes. I mean, I've already spent a couple of days reading through the Lucy source code. It's It's kind of deep just because there's a bunch of nonsense happening but it's fairly straightforward i can kind of tell what it's doing um i'm actually tempted if i have some time haha ha, um to see just how hard it would be to add some additional behaviors um into the actual lucy implementation so it doesn't have to fall back on that hypersql database because um, it just gets ugly once it does that yeah 
Well, there you go, folks. There be dragons. <laughs> there be dragons. <laughs> All right. Let's move into the Ben corner and talk <laughs> about his post this week about using constants to help clarify Boolean arguments and return values in Cold Fusion and JavaScript and probably any language. But he looked at Cold Fusion and JavaScript. Um, I like these posts because uh, it kind of shows the the spectrum in programming between readability and conciseness, and uh, he explores it, right? Um, using, instead of using true, using a word like filter in or um, recurse directories to give some more context to it. Uh, I'm glad in Cold Fusion we have named arguments. Uh, it helps a lot in these cases where you have random Boolean flags. Um, but yeah. this is nice when you need to return it or you can't use the name arguments for some reason. So so, so one of these examples that Ben has here in the post is he has an array and he's using the filter member function to filter items in the array. So the closure that he provides needs to return true or false uh, for each record to signify whether that record should be included or excluded. So instead of just returning true or false, he returns the variable called filter in or the variable called filter out. And those variables, of course, just contain the values true or false. But yeah, looking at the code, I see, you know, return filter in, return filter out. It's just a little bit more, uh, uh, I don't know, unambiguous as far as what that line of code is doing. Return true is specifically saying, keep it, you know, filter it in. Anyway, yeah, it's an interesting idea. Now, they're not really constants as far as any, like, compiler is concerned. They're really just variables in the variable scope on the page that he happened to type an application use underscores between them. Um, so it's more like quote constants in quote, like air quotes around them. Uh, but I, but I get what he's saying um, using stuff like that. Java does that a lot. I don't get in the habit of doing it in cold fusion, but in Java, it's really common to have, you know, a flag that's a simple string or an integer, but you'll have some, you know, static constant thing at the top of the class that just gives it, you know, a nice readable bit of text. And then you use that text everywhere as a variable. So, yeah. I haven't done that as much with Booleans as uh, we call them magic numbers. When you uh, want to yeah. say like, if this user has this role and the role is ID, you know, 82. It's like, exactly. okay, I don't know what that means. So, um, You know, we used to do that, I guess, uh, an app of mine I used to manage, we had like a utility table. A lot of apps had these, like that generic utility table where you have like a list of options in the drop down, and you want to be able to add to them dynamically without changing code. You know, and we use GUIDs in that database. And so our code would have this, you know, if ID equals in this big, ugly GUID, right? <laughs> you know, and people look at it, they're like, what is that GUID? What does that mean, right? Um, you know, so we created some like, uh, you know, service that when it, when it knitted would like select the entire uh, utility table out and would add this dot, you know, kind of slugs onto it that were all equal to the GUIDs. And then everywhere in our code, we kind of treated them as like static variables. Mm -hmm. We would say, you know, ID equals utility dot, role admin or something you know and behind the scenes it was all the good but your code you could look at and you would have like a vague idea of what the heck it did without having to have like the required comment to explain it and of course as uncle bob would say if you have to add comments the code probably could be made cleaner yeah. that from the book clean code <laughs> so ben ends his post um just with the the caveat like this doesn't mean change all your code it all needs to be these <laughs> boolean flag constants um, but uh, you might be able to use this technique where your code is not as clear as you hope it would be. So use it where it helps. 
<laughs> you use it real. I like the I like the pragmaticness definitely. Yeah. Okay, uh, the next one is from Pete Freitag about cleaning up development disk space uh, from Command Box. Um, I, I have to tell you, Brad, I chuckled about this. Since Just buy I know, a bigger hard drive, man. Just buy a bigger since, hard drive. What's the, what's the problem? <laughs> since I know how much you, you love... Uh, JavaScript and NPM and Node, it just reminded me of all the articles I've read about people saying, I deleted all my old Node modules and now I have 80 gigs back. So, <laughs> so the idea uh, behind yeah. this is um, Command Box can download a lot of stuff. Uh, the artifacts, mm. uh, a little bit, but I think most of it is servers. I mean, yeah, um, I mean, a, an Adobe server can easily expand into, you know, five, 600 megs sometimes, or even, even Lucy can be through 400 megs for a, a server. Yeah, right. you start you start like three servers a day. Before you know it, you have like twenty gigs of old servers you don't use anymore. Right, and I know I looked through mine when I saw this article, and I tend to like run up a new folder and server and Coldbox app to just test something out, and then mm -hmm. never clean them up. So I have like you know testing one over and over again in my <laughs> servers that I just don't need. So. Well, yeah, you know, I just bought my first uh, two terabyte SSD uh, from Crucial.com yesterday. So maybe we should just ship like a two terabyte <laughs> SSD drive with every command box download. Um, so I was, uh, I was thinking we need a we need some of the prune commands like they have in uh, what's it called in Docker. Docker. Where well, I was just going to say that it wouldn't be too hard. So servers do track the last time they were started. Mm -hmm. So you could say, what are all the servers that haven't started in six months? Yeah. Um, you could look at the date time modified on artifacts or just say, keep only the last two versions. Uh, it wouldn't be too hard to write some like prune module in command box that would look for artifacts whose date file was after a certain date or only keep X number of versions, you know, forget servers that haven't been started in X number of months. Uh, what was the other thing he did? Oh, the temp directory. So the temp folder can be blown away anytime as long as command box isn't running. Um, I mean, those are really the big three, artifacts, servers, and the temp folder. Now, uh, Pete pinged me, and I did actually find, um, I did find a, um, oh, a bug in command box where anytime you install the new package using the HTTP endpoint, it left the temp file in the temp folder where I was I wasn't cleaning it up after it was done. Because you no know, inside of command box there's always finally blocks and catch blocks that try to clean up if something goes wrong. Uh, so I did have a spot where I just wasn't deleting it. So uh, over the years of installing stuff there would be you know files. And I used to try to wipe out the temp folder every time command box started. But then that doesn't work if you have two command boxes running at the same time. One's in the middle of downloading something and one's booting up and it tries to wipe the temp folder. So, you know, because the files are locked and they're in use. So right now, command box doesn't ever blow away the temp folder, even though you're free to do it anytime you want. Um, but I, I did at least fix a bug where crap was getting in there. Oh, the other thing that Pete mentioned was server GREs. If you if you uh, fool around a lot with the feature of command box that'll download Java for you, um, as I do when testing, you know, test on Java 14, Java 11, Java 8, blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, you can easily end up with 15, 20 versions of Java downloaded. Um, onto your hard drive and you may not be using most of those. And I don't actually know if there's a programmatic way to tell how recently those have been used outside of looking at the recently started servers. So what I have, like just looking at my local command box install, I have 28 versions of Java on my hard drive, all from just me testing different Java versions. I have four gigs. I, I have like a terabyte drive, but still I have four gigs worth of Java installations that 
I don't know, I may use at some point, but chances are I probably only use a few of these on a regular basis. All right, someone needs to write that prune command. You have the technology, you can do it. I'll it's help true. you. It could just be a, a module that then Brad will bring into the core because that sounds very nice. Well, I mean, because if you wanted, <laughs> right, you could even you could have a you could have a command that are, that you run manually, like prune, or you could have it tie into the on CLI start or on CLI exit. So kind of like the update check that like once a day will just check for updates to your system modules. You could say once a week when I open or close command box, just automatically you know prune stuff. That wouldn't be that hard. Now, it might take a few seconds if it's deleting gigs worth of stuff, but if you had it run every week or so, it probably wouldn't, you know, build up that much. I'm all, just saying, command box 5.1 prune. Actually, I have no idea what version of the command box we're on right now. That could be wrong. Uh, 5.2 Okay, is, so uh, in command box 5.2 will have a prune. Well, I think somebody should write it as a module, <laughs> and we can talk about it, and then we can make it part of the core if we like. You know, there's actually a handful of modules I've thought, should we just make these part of the core now? Like cfconfig, .env, host updater, stuff that like we use on almost all of our projects that we just, you know, install right off the bat. It's like, maybe we should just start bundling those. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. All righty. It brings us to the end of our blogs, tweets, and videos of the week. Let's move on to find a job. There are three new jobs this week on the gitcfmljobs.com website. The first is a full-time position for a ColdFusion developer, and it's the NIEHS Grants Application Development. And that's in Mooresville, North Carolina. There is a remote uh, position for a full-time ColdFusion developer, and then also one at Lexington Park, Maryland for a full-time software developer. So those are the three new jobs. There are over 14 ColdFusion positions right now from 11 companies across eight locations in five countries. So if you're looking for a job, go ahead and check that out. And we're very grateful for Get CFML Jobs for aggregating that all for us. Okay, mm -hmm. moving on to the ForgeBox module of the week, which Brad is going to be pedantic and say is not a module, is our new Adobe 2020 beta engine. <laughs> Yeah, I was telling Eric if we said ForgeBox package, it would be it would be correct. Um, but yes, the Adobe ColdFusion engine is so. Whenever you start a, an Adobe server in Command Box, server start CF engine equals Adobe, um, and it downloads behind the scenes before it starts. It's actually installing a package from ForgeBox. So every new version of Adobe ColdFusion or Lucy, for that matter, um, are all just a version of a package on. Storage box. That way they can be versioned, they can be cached, they can be installed. Um, so it says here we have 62 versions of Adobe Cold Fusion uh, on ForgeBox, all the way from CF9, 10, 11, 2016, 2018, and of course the public beta of 2020. Um, so we update those automatically when new versions come out. By we, I mostly mean John Clausen. Uh, he's the one who, who takes care of uh, installing the updaters. Uh, into those whenever Adobe releases them. And we do that so you don't have to. <laughs> Any, anytime I see someone asking a question on Slack or Facebook and they're like, I'm having troubles installing this Adobe update, um, I really want to reply and be like, if you use Command Box, you don't have to install updates. <laughs> updates are a thing of the past. You just tell Command Box what version you want, Command Box gets it for you. You're done. 
Oh, wait, no, I want to go back. Not a problem. <laughs> you will never update your CF engine again. Just use command box. We're, we're spoiled. That's what it is. We're spoiled with a T. <laughs> okay. The VS Code hit tips and tricks of the week. This week is an extension called the VS Code Format Context Menu. It's a great long name. Um, the idea here is uh, Visual Studio Code will let you format your files, maybe with uh, Prettier, JS Beautify. Um, there is no CF format yet. Yet. Mm. I'm sure John Berquist is working on that. Um, but this puts a right-click context menu that you can click on a file or a directory, multiple files, and format those. Um, so it's nice if you need granular, granular control, you're not formatting all of your uh, your project right now. You can do it a file at a time. So I'm curious if this extension has the, the logic for all the different supported formatters built in, or if it assumes you have another extension that provides whatever XYZ format it is you're looking for, and it just defers to it. Yeah, VS Code has a first-class citizen of a code formatter, and in extensions can register for certain languages. Um, you can have default formatters if you have multiple. And so when you click, when you, I'm guessing when you say to format a file, it says what languages this file in, call that formatter, you know, kind of okay. thing. So but if you had multiple, it would probably prompt you. I know I've gotten that a few times where, it's asking me if I want prettier to format JSON or if I want the built-in Visual Studio Code formatting. Multiple like registration. That. So uh, I, I haven't tracked it. Is there a, a VS Code extension for CF format? That gives uh, it there isn't, mostly be because of the issue we talked about before with the language server protocol not existing yet. Every time yeah. you ask to format, it would have to spin up command box format and come out. It's just um, It would work. It would just long. be a little slower. Yeah, well, and especially since the formats can happen either on save or on paste and you can imagine oh, somebody so it'd be like doing it on the fly then yeah you can imagine somebody hitting yeah. a bunch of commands you know saving four times in a row or pasting three blocks and their system kind of trying to catch up with the formatting so yeah that would so suck. let's get our language server protocol out there brad <laughs> uh someone needs to sponsor it i i would i would honestly love to like look at implementing that but like I read a few pages of docs on it and I was like, someone would need to pay me to do this. Cause I would, I would like spend an entire month and I would not make any money that month. Cause I would have spent the entire month figuring out how to implement the LSP for cold fusion. Yeah. I hear uh, you. I, I remember looking at the docs and even <laughs> trying to look at like the JavaScript one. And I immediately got lost. I know. So. I'm like, if, if someone was sponsoring <laughs> me to do this, man, I would love to do it. But this is a rabbit hole of rabbit holes that while I would love to climb down in it, I have to also feed my family, which means I need to do work that someone's actually going to pay me for. Um, but yeah, I mean, that would be, that would be so nice. Or, I mean, even if, if command box and more specifically Lucy's startup time from the CLI could be, you know, half a second or a quarter of a second, you know, so running a box command didn't have that like three or four second overhead, you know, that might be in the neighborhood we could get away with it. But yeah. I think we also mentioned or talked about uh, starting up like a persistent demon command box that, that yes. could be talked to. It's kind of the same idea as the language server protocol without matching their interface. It is, is basically. That's been on my horizon for a long time as something I wanted to look at. I think the technology is probably all there to be able to do it, but it, there's a lot of like complications and wrinkles that I would have to iron out to make it be able to work. 
Um, you know, it's the first time you run a box command, it like, you know, spins up a box daemon in the background, uh, which would just be a JVM process that would just stay running as, you know, a, a, it wouldn't really even be a service. It would just be, you know, some process that's running. And then, you know, future box commands uh, would just, you know, phone out in some socket to that daemon and say, here, run this code, get the results back. Um, I've, I've never, I've always kind of hoped if I put it off long enough, Lucy would finally make good on their like, you know, <laughs> sub one half second startup times or something. But, you know, I've been waiting two or three years for that. Um, so I might have to actually do that, uh, get around to doing that someday. But yeah, that's always been out there as something I wanted to be able to do. Uh, even Gradle does stuff like that. You know, you, you run a, a Gradle build and you see it says, you know, starting up Damon, future runs will be faster. Um, it's just, there's a lot of things <laughs> I would need to, to iron out to make it actually work. What we need never is, taken the time. is more of you Patreon supporters or sponsoring this directly, and we'll get Brad on this. <laughs> it, I mean, it's true. Honestly, it is. I, I I, do, you know, mostly client work all week long, you know, and I fit in little fixes and command boxes whenever I can. But, yeah, stuff like the background daemon, which I would just love to have, is like, again, a deep enough rabbit hole. I never have enough, you know, time uh, to spend on command box. I really have time to, like, climb down that rabbit hole deconstruct command box and rebuild it to make all that stuff work. And so it's that thing that I say, yeah, I'd like to do that someday. And I've been saying that for like a couple of years now. <laughs> we need your help to do it. You, the listener. Uncle Sam wants you. Okay. <laughs> that brings us here to the end of our podcast today. And we wanted to take a moment to thank all of our Patreon supporters. Uh, these people help support our open source initiatives and ensure these great products like Command Box, Forge Box, Cold Box, Content Box, Test Box, you name the box. Quick QB. Quick and QB. They, they aren't boxes. Oh, I feel yeah, that's out your of the, fault. You named you named them. Did I feel out of the the loop here? They, um, <laughs> they could be they could be honorary boxes like QB Box or Quick Box. Just you know. Oh, no, people are going to start calling it now, and I'm going to get confused. <laughs> but we want to thank you all. You can support us on patreon.com slash order solutions. They go to towards this podcast on our open source efforts. And uh, we want to take a minute to read our supporters. So thank you to Ben Nadal, Brett DeLine, Carl Van Stetten, Charlie Earhart, Dali, Dan Card, Daniel Garcia, David Bellinger, Didier Lesnicki, Don Bellamy, Eric Hoffman, Gary Knight, Giancarlo Gomez, Jan Yannick, Jason Diger, Jeff McCain, Jeremy Adams, Jordan Clark, Joseph Lamery, Kai Koenig, Laxma Titrahadi, Mario Rodriguez, Matthew Clemente, Mingo Hagen, Scott Steinbeck, Sean Oden, Stephen Klotz, Synaptrix, and Yogesh Mathur. Thank you for supporting this podcast and Order Solutions. Yes, thank you very much. All right. Well, thanks for joining us today for the news. Uh, we'll catch you next week. All right. Peace. Show notes for this episode can be found at cfmlnews.modernizeordie.io where you can also subscribe to your favorite podcast player like Spotify or iTunes. We also have the link to YouTube to find more videos just like this. The music used in this podcast is under a royalty-free license from Sound.com and Bluetree Audio.